This is the Modern Architect radio show and podcast. The Modern Architect features one-on-one interviews with renowned and cutting-edge architects, influencers, and sustainability leaders. Our show informs and illuminates the transformation that architecture brings to our cities, communities, and lives. And now, introducing the host of The Modern Architect, Tom Dioro. Today, we are honored and really excited to be joined by Annie Lowengard, founder of her award-winning firm in 2000, Annie Lowengard Interiors. Located just a few miles north of the Golden Gate Bridge, I love this, I'm reading directly from uh, Annie's site, Annie Lowengard Interiors enjoys Marin County's stunning terrain as its backdrop. In 2021, Annie opened her second studio in Tropical Palm Beach while enjoying the inspirational beauty of both coasts. Excellent. Annie and her team balance their designs with practicality. You can find them on the web at annlowengart.com. Again, it's Ann, A-N-N, lowengart.com. Today's episode is made possible by Swatchbox, the leading sample platform for architects and designers. Swatchbox brings thousands of product samples from the world's leading manufacturers into one platform. Browse materials for inspiration, create custom collections, then request your samples for free with automatic next day or second day shipping. Get started at Swatchbox.com. Hello, and we're honored and thrilled again to have you on The Modern Architect. Thank you for being here, really. Tom, thank you so much. I'm, I've heard so much about your podcast. I'm so grateful to be here. Um, my firm is actually Ann Lowengart Interiors. Um, Perfect. I'm, thank you. I'm only called Ann when I'm in trouble by my parents. But they, <laughs> is that right? But uh, yeah, I do go by Annie. Okay. Thank you very much for that, Annie. I appreciate it. Now, we talked early in the sh- your, your show today about what inspires you, quotes or prayers or mantras. Love to hear your uh, what inspires you and your quote. Well, I was telling you a little bit about my background. And in 2008, um, I found myself in a very precarious situation. I know there are probably a few listeners out there who can relate. My husband was running a gold and precious metals hedge fund at the time and was directly impacted by the financial crisis, severely impacted. And I woke up one day and he brought me up to speed on everything that had transpired in the last few days. And basically, I was left with two tiny kids, a huge mortgage. We had just purchased what was going to be our dream home. I was going to remodel this beautiful home in Ross, California, which is a wonderful part of Marin County. And um, he informed me he essentially had no job because the hedge fund had crashed or had blown blown up. And he was entering into what turned out to be a pretty long and severe depression. Um, he came out of it fine, but, you know, having worked all this time to build something that just seeing it poof go away in a matter of months was, was incredibly hard for him. So he was there, but, you know, kind of in a different spot mentally. And I had the weight of the world on my shoulders. And I remember going up to the guest house uh, on this property, this big property that we owned at the time, and getting down on my knees. I didn't, I, I had no resources. I had taken a break for, uh, to spend time with our children. 
I had been essentially not working for five years. I would do, you know, a bathroom or a kitchen, but, you know, really not working much for five years. And it was just an incredible, incredibly humbling moment when I saw what was before me and I said, okay, I'm going to go where I only, I only know one place I can go. My parents aren't going to help me. They're not going to be able to rescue me. My friends aren't going to be able to rescue me. I'm not going to be able to rescue me. So I got down on my knees and I asked God to help me and he did. And there's this verse in the Old Testament that I really love. It's Malachi 3.10. And I I found it during that time. And it's really been kind of my mantra, so to speak. And it goes like this, test me and see if this is true. See if you don't bring the ties into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. See if I don't fling open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that your vessels can barely contain it. And so I started tithing uh, at that moment according to the Old Testament, according to the New Testament. And it's been just amazing what what God has done. And oftentimes I'll say to friends and, you know, sometimes the people who work with me, I'll say, you know, I'm running God's business that happens to have my name on it because I'm very, very clear that there was no way I could have gotten out of the situation um, that I did without God being right there with me. Annie, thank you very much for sharing that. That's uh, very meaningful. And uh, I see that in your work. And feel free to correct me if you if, if I want. But I, I see that, that sense of a, a timelessness, a, a warmth, and a, um, a very lasting experience from your work. Is that by design from your, your place? You know, it is. I consider each project to be a gift. You know, I, I graduated from Cal in 1990, and I did what my dad told me to do, basically. Uh, I love my dad. My dad is um, in medicine and <clears throat> only kind of knew one way, which was that you get the best job you can right out of college. So I worked for Procter & Gamble for five years. It was a great sales job. I loved it, but it was, excuse me, I don't want to say that. I loved the people I worked with. Um, I loved the processes. I loved... I loved everything that P&G represented just in terms of culture, but I, I didn't connect with the product. And so I really very much felt at times dead inside. So when I left and I started my business in, I really started it in 2000. And then, as I mentioned, I took a break uh, when our second son, our second child was born, our son. I felt as if, I, I didn't think I was ever going to go back to work. And so when I was faced with the situation I just described, and I knew that that was what I what I had in front of me at the time. There were no corporate jobs out there that I could find. You know, the world was in crisis, and I had a friend come to me and say, "Hey, you know, I've been asking you to help help me with my kitchen for five years. Are you ready to do it now?" And I said, "Yes, I am ready. Absolutely." It was like a gift. It was like a gift from heaven. And every single one of my projects, to be perfectly honest, I consider to be a gift. They're all so different. They each client is different. Each client, you know, there are some clients who are very um, collaborative and they really want me to come alongside them. They want to come alongside me. It's just lots of fun. They want to have a great experience. There are other clients who are merely transactional, which is completely fine as well. And they, that's, you know, something that I consider to be a gift as well when I don't have to interact on, on a certain level. 
But every single project that comes to me, Tom, is wrapped up in a bow almost. And so I want to bring, because I'm so grateful for these projects, I want to use the gifts and talents God has given me to bless other people. And I want to bring my client style to the fore in the most elevated way. In, in, the, in a way where they walk into each project, or excuse me, each room in their project and say, I would have never thought of this in a million years. I absolutely love it. It represents us perfectly. Annie was on budget. She was on time. And we had a great time doing it. It's very evident that you have a very strong spiritual God relationship with your work, with yourself. If you can, for a moment, look back to pre that uh, the source or divine divine uh, inspiration at all times, how would you contrast that, if you will? Yeah, the divine intervention. Yeah. Um, you know, I always had a really strong faith. I, um, I have two wonderful parents. My parents hired a British baby nurse to care for me when I was little. And they also hired a housekeeper who tattled on the baby nurse and came to my mom and said, uh, Miss Roth, that person is, that woman is leaving that baby out in the cold, that we can't let her be out in the cold. And my mom said, okay, I, you know, I see it. You're hired. You're her nanny. And she came to our house in 1967, the year before I was born, and she stayed for 25 years. And as she used to say, I raised your sister, I raised you, and I raised your mama. And she instilled in me this faith through her actions, not so much her words, like her, her words were definitely there, but through her actions that just stayed with me as a constant um, throughout my entire life. And just to give you an idea of, of who, what kind of a person she was, she grew up black and um, in the South at that time, it was pre-desegregation, uh, and she only had a fourth grade education. And I believe, uh, she never told me this out up front, but I believe she was raped when she was 15 because she had her first child when she was 15. Um, and she didn't have a lot of good things to say about the her first husband. And they ended up getting married, I believe, when she was about 17. And they moved to California. And then after her daughters were, I think about maybe early grade school, he left and she never saw him again. And then fast forward about 40 years, I'm saying 40 years, probably 50 years, her oldest daughter was working in a nursing home and was in charge of discharging the people who were well enough to leave. And she had this patient who essentially had no next of kin. So she had to research uh, the people she was going to contact to ask who was going to take this man. And it turned out that he was her biological father. She came home, told her mom, my Nini, that Joe was one of her patients and had nowhere to go. And Nini brought him into her home, her 700-square-foot home in Oak Park in Sacramento, which is not a great place to be, put him in her, quote-unquote, master bedroom in her 700-square-foot house and cared for him until the day he died. So that was my example. And... I can cite, you know, 20 of them, but through that person being with me and loving me, like even talking about it, you know, it's very touching for me, but with that example, it was just in me always. 
and I had to go there and go there in a big, huge way, much more so than I had um, normally in 2008, which is, you know, an Anne Lone Garden Terrier is really, I should say, is kind of the, the, the form it is now is really the outcropping of, of that. That's fascinating. That sense of gratitude, when you, uh, my opinion is that when you start with gratitude at the very beginning, when you look at every project, every client as a gift, right at, right at the onset, I can't see how it doesn't turn out to be almost exceed your expectations in the clients. <laughs> am, am I reaching or, yeah, or that's, and is that's there true. some truth to that? Uh, that's true. I've had so many moments, so many wonderful moments where we, you know, we have reveals, we have, you know, the HGTV reveal um, is there, there are some parts of these HGTV shows that are true. Um, the, the president of HGTV came out and to California and took a few interior designers to lunch individually. And I was, I was one of them. And he started our lunch by saying, I want to apologize to you because I realized that our show, our shows have made your job very, very difficult because of course you can't design a whole house for $50,000 and get it done in six weeks. And I said, yes, that's true. But the, th but one of the things that does happen similar to the HGTV shows is that we do these really wonderful reveals um, at the end of projects. So uh, oftentimes our projects are very, very long. Um, we specialize in ground up builds and full house guts and full house decor jobs. So the clients obviously are not living there at the time. They're, and they're a part of the collaborative process, of course. But during the installation, after the contractors have pulled off and the project has been cleaned and we install, we bring in florals and, you know, Dom Perignon and great and great food, and we bring the clients um, to the property, and we really do have a reveal where we walk through and we look at everything. And there have been many, many times where the clients have said to me, "I, this is so far exceeded our expectations. We absolutely love it." And those are the times, Tom, where I where I really do say, "Wow, thank you, thank you, Lord, thank you so much, thank you for the privilege of being able to come along this this come alongside this family." It's just. It really is almost like a supernatural experience. Thank you again, Annie. This is The Modern Architect. We're talking today with Annie Lowengarten, interior designer and principal of AnnLowengart.com. Again, that's AnnLowengart.com. Annie, oh, we're going to reach back to, uh, we talked about the uh, the HTV and and. and that series and those that project. How did that become? If you're at liberty to share, how did that come about? So I, I was never part of an HGTV series. It was just a mm -hmm. uh, wonderful lunch that I had with the. I think was it the president? I guess it was the president of HGTV at the time. He just came out to San Francisco. Oh, share it, please. And he had he picked I think five interior designers and he took us all to lunch individually. And that was when he apologized and said, "I know that." <laughs> Our shows have made your life very, very difficult around expectations. And that's one thing, honestly, Tom, that we that we do very, very well because I think that interior designers can get in trouble in three ways. <clears throat> the first is if the design isn't good. And we've never had that problem. I, I love to joke that I can make the inside of a paper box look amazing because I can. But there are two other ways where interior designers get in trouble. One is around budget and the and then the other is timeline. And so we, when a client calls our office and says that they'd like to explore working with us, Siobhan, my wonderful right hand, who's been with me for eight years, she's our studio director, 
she walks them through timing and budget at the very beginning. And I think that a lot of people self-select out because they're looking for something different and we help them find, you know, if there's a, if, if they want a retail project or if they want something that's very different from what we do, we, we give them referrals to help get them on their way. But we want to, I operate a 100% transparent business model. And so we want to make sure that they are seeing exactly what their project will look like from the very beginning, from the first interaction with us. Was that by design when you started your firm? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it really goes back to my experience at Procter & Gamble because when I was at P&G, I mean, I started off stocking shelves at four in the morning, so nothing glamorous, but <clears throat> I was with the biggest customer um, in California at the time, which was Safeway. And I rose up through the ranks and what they taught us was so valuable because P&G was number one in almost every category. And we we were taught to be transparent on every level where if it wasn't a win for the client, if it wasn't a win for the customer, then we wouldn't present it. So there was such a history around that, that the, that the customer really trust us. They trusted us so, so much so that they were, they just looked to us to build their business. So as we were going through the process of uh, presenting, you know, different SKUs of cake mix or beauty care or, or whatever, we had such a wonderful relationship that they really ended up um, having just a great time during the process. The trust was established at the beginning. They knew that we were for them, not just trying to sell them. And from that trust, we were able to do our best work. And I've taken that and I've really uh, used everything I've learned at P&G, you know, not only around transparency and around um, ethics and honesty and which you know really are just innate in me anyway, but ethics, honesty, and then transparency, but also having fun. You know, this it's such a blessing. You know, the projects that that we we work on um, not only is it a blessing for us, but I really try to always articulate the fact that my clients who have purchased these wonderful homes, it's it's a great blessing for them, and we want to help them celebrate that, and you know, and and have a great time. I mean, how fabulous to, to build an 8,000-square-foot house from scratch. How fabulous to gut and remodel a 6,000-square-foot house in the middle of Pacific Heights. How fantastic to build mm-hmm. a golf component on your property in Sonoma. How great to build your ski house in Tahoe. You know, it, it's all, I think it's all about perspective. And when we look at it from that perspective, then everybody, everybody has a lot of fun. That trust factor and express the value, especially with interior design, when you're you're seeing a vision before the client. The client may, I'm going to take a, a perspective of not knowing what to do. I, let's say I have that 6,000, 8,000 square foot home and I don't know what to do. How would you, without giving your secret sauce, get to the client to say, okay, here's what it's going to look like that like and trust that you're going to fulfill that is there a formal process to that to express that value there is there is but before i touch on that i i would really like to say i don't mind giving out my secret sauce you know that i believe that there's enough work for everyone and there are some people who really love what i do and some people who don't and that's fine and there are so many wonderful interior designers out there um, I 
if if someone can learn from my experience, I want to give them that knowledge. Um, I wouldn't wish what I went through on my worst enemy. And so, and I know that there are a lot of people out there who maybe don't have confidence in themselves or just need a little tweaking in their process, or maybe could use someone to to help them map out, okay, here's here's a great way to roll out a project. And I um I really enjoy doing that. I really love doing that because, you know, I didn't I didn't I wasn't born with with this knowledge. I had to get it from somewhere. So it's a great blessing for me to be able to um, give others, you know, what someone has given me. So um, I wanted to say that, but yes, with regard to the process, we absolutely have a great process. You know, that there's a, a book I love called The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. And Michael Gerber studied McDonald's. And when Ray Kroc um, visited the McDonald's hamburger stand in, I want to say the 50s, he was selling milkshake machines and he saw this line um, for these hamburgers. And he was so fascinated because these high school kids were making the same burger over and over and over again, and people loved it. And so people understood that there was consistency there. And so they kept coming back to McDonald's. And he obviously bought that bought that store and then started the franchise. And he and we have McDonald's as we know it today. So Michael Gerber looked at the way Ray Kroc had defined the process, had really systematized and and um, documented the process so beautifully that he could send that same process to um, Italy. He could send it to Mexico. He could send it to China. And those, and those wonderful people who were working in his restaurants could follow that process and, and produce the same burger in each of those locations. And then what it allowed him to do is be creative within that process. Obviously, you know, they start off with just burgers and they've done so many other things. Not to say that I'm a McDonald's uh, hamburger fan. I, I love them, but I don't eat them. But I've tried to take those take those principles in the e-myth and apply them to interior design. And really P&G, my experience at P&G helped me to do that because P&G taught us how to take an, an incredible amount of information and synthesize it in a way where it met the customer's needs, not met our needs. And so I'm doing that in in interior design. So for instance, when um, I get a new project, in fact, I just got a new project. I'm so excited, a, a, a great ground up build in wine country. Excellent. This client has a very different aesthetic from my other ground up build that uh, happens to be just finishing now in the wine country. And it's very different aesthetic from the estate I'm doing in Woodside, from the house I'm doing in Pacific Heights, from the ground up build we're doing in Tahoe. And it's my job to figure out what is it that, not only what is their style, but also what lights them up. So the way that I do that is I first get to know them and I spend time with them at their home. You know, I, I want to interact with them. I want to see how he or she reacts reacts with his or her spouse. I want to see their current home. I, I want them to walk me through and say, you know what? I thought I really loved this, but I really don't. And I never thought I would like this, but gosh, I really do. I want to take a look at all their tear sheets that they have, house boards, Pinterest boards, whatever it is they can throw at me, family photos, anything. And I want to hear from them, gosh, you know, I love this right here. It could be a vase in a in a family portrait. It could be the sunset um, on a vacation that they went to. It could, 
or enjoyed recently. It could be their friend's home, their friend's living room. It could be Gwyneth Paltrow's kitchen, you know, whatever it is. I want to start gathering information around what is it that they really love aesthetically. But then also, and almost equally as important, I really want to understand how they want to live in the property. So for instance, we have a document that we like to share where that asks where we ask the client to answer a bunch of questions like, um, like who, who will you entertain? Will you entertain? What type of entertaining will you do? How long do you anticipate living in this home? And by getting all of this information together and really pouring over it, my designers and I get inside their, their collective head a little bit. Very much so, actually. And then we start seeing the project through their eyes. And then when we take them on a shopping trip, you know, to San Francisco or LA or New York, then we can point them, we can say, hey, you know, we'd like to show you this really interesting showroom because we think that there are things here that you might gravitate toward. Or we would really like to take you to this art gallery because they're having an exhibition um, with an artist we think that might really resonate with you. And it's almost like a funnel effect. We start off very, very broad, and then we continue to, to reduce the size of the funnel, go down the funnel more and more and more until we get to a vision and it's usually an image or a series of images where the client says, yes, this is what I love. Yes, this is what I want. And then we can map back to that. Excellent description. Thank you very much for sharing that. We're uh, on the uh, Modern Architect show, and we're with Annie Lowengard. Our public service announcement for today's show is about the Freedom Reigns Ranch. Their mission is to... Uh, Igniting hope with the help of a horse. At the Freedom Reigns Ranch, they provide equine-assisted mentor sessions to children and young adults who have experienced trauma and other life challenges. All sessions are completely free of charge. The ranch also serves as a foster home for horses recovering from abuse and neglect in Middle Tennessee. Participants and volunteers have the opportunity to assist, to assist in rehabilitating and caring for these horses. For more information, you can visit their website at freedomreinsranch.com. Again, that's freedomreinsranch.com. We're talking today with Annie Lowengart, interior designer. Annie, what would you like to share in your show today, with your show today, that we may not have touched on that uh, you'd like your audience to, to know? You know, I would just like to encourage the person out there who might be doubting himself or herself or might be facing a difficult situation. Um, as I touched on earlier, I was looking at a mountain that I never thought in a million years I would be able to climb. And I'm on the other side now. Um, our daughter is graduating from college. She's off. She has her first job waiting for her in July. Um, our son is now applying to colleges. My husband is doing great. He um, reignited another part of his business and it's, you know, absolutely exploded. And I'm so, so, so grateful. And so I just really would love to send this word out to whomever might be struggling a little bit that you can do it. You absolutely can do it. And if anybody knows it, it's me. Annie, it's been a real honor and, uh, and pleasure and treasure having you as our guest today. Thank you very much, really. Tom, thank you so much. I'm so grateful to have been on this show. I, no one really asked me the questions that you did, and it was so wonderful to be able to answer them uh, with total honesty. So thanks. Thank you. You've been listening to The Modern Architect Show. 
I'm Tom Dioro. Our guest today has been Annie Lowengart, who founded her award-winning firm in 2000. Just a few miles, I love this description, so I'm going to read it again, Annie, located just a few miles north of the Golden Gate Bridge, and Lowengart Interiors enjoys Marin County's stunning terrain as its backdrop. For more information, feel free to visit their website at annlowengart.com. Again, that's annlowengart.com. Join us again next time when we welcome another outstanding architect, engineer, designer, influencer, or civic leader committed to positive, sustainable, and beautiful cities, communities, and lives. Thank you for listening. Today's episode is made possible by Swatchbox, the leading sample platform for architects and designers. Swatchbox brings thousands of product samples from the world's leading manufacturers into one platform. Browse materials for inspiration, create custom collections, then request your samples for free with automatic next day or second day shipping. Get started at Swatchbox.com.